Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Well, hello, Jen. Allie. Hey. This is going to be um, for Christmas. Oh, Christmas. Christmas. That's why I had to have something a little bit upbeat. I did solved cold cases for Christmas. Sitting it in the cold. Ice cold, baby. And, and I chose serial killer Anthony Walker. <laughs> That's like Christmas, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you know, this year's been crazy. A little bit 2020? A little bit unusual, maybe. Yeah, I'll give it to you. No, just kidding. Just fucking around. <laughs> it's, so, been for shit. it's been for shit this year. So we're going with a serial killer. Well, you know what? I feel that in my heart. You want to yeah. go first? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was about to say, um, no, I don't want to go first. You can go first also. Let <laughs> <laughs> uh, me tell you about the time I was reading an encyclopedia on serial killers. And there was this um, one serial killer that just fucked me up. And I, think, and I cannot remember his name. And so I, th- I thought the other day, maybe I should borrow it again on my Kindle and reread it. And when I get to that part, I'll know it's him. Right? <laughs> I can only imagine that's a big encyclopedia. Yeah, it is. Well, the Encyclopedia of Serial Killers really teaches you that humanity's fucked up and you got to, like, <laughs> be on guard at all times. Right. You never know. Yeah. You, you absolutely never know. That, that's what this podcast has taught me. true true you never know what's gonna happen very much true although if our last podcast taught us anything is that if you kill someone in self-defense and you're a woman you're going to jail for the rest of your life bitch right (laughs) but which some of us are prepared for yeah i'm prepared yes all right let me uh jump into anthony walker please do so anthony walker killed at least six people between 1975 and 1986. And notice that lately I've been stuck on 1975 for some reason. Because that's an amazing year. Like some amazing people were born in 1975. Like <laughs> really awesome, awesome, awesome people. <laughs> one I can think of right now is me. <laughs> I've seen that one coming. Yep. <laughs> so in, in 1975... Anthony was charged with raping and kidnapping of a woman from Adrian, Michigan. He was convicted of second degree criminal sexual conduct and was in prison till January 1979 when he was paroled. So that's where the story starts. Okay. Shortly after being paroled, he broke into a home of Yolanda Madison, age 24, where he tied Yolanda up and a family friend, Teresa, age 19, who was visiting. Oh, fuck. He proceeded to beat them up, shoot them both to death, (sighs) but found that there was an 11-month-old named Jessica, this was Yolanda's daughter, Uh-oh. in the home. He left the child alone. 
Okay, he, few. Yep, he took valuables and cash. Then it said that he set the house on fire. Wait a minute. He left the baby alone and then set the house on fire? Yeah. With the baby inside? Yes. Jessica died from suffocation in the fire. I hate this motherfucker already. Yeah. Okay, go on. So an investigation happened. Leads are cold. Nothing. Case goes cold. So nobody knows who did this at the time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So now, and this is in January. So end of February. Walker murders Floyd Beatty, age 28, in Manchester. Okay. Um, later on, I find, I'm just reading my notes. Later uh-huh. on, I find that supposedly somebody paid Walker, this imaginary person, okay. paid $1,000 to kill Floyd Beatty. Because, yeah, he wouldn't kill anybody otherwise, right? For no reason. Right. Yeah. Shit. And so so now, so that was February. Now we're going into September. Okay. He impersonated an off-duty police officer when he saw three high school students in downtown Adrian who were skipping school. Oh, fuck. He offered them a ride. But instead of taking them back to school, he took them to his home. And he started to try to assault one of the girls. Something, I don't know, clicked in his head. Okay. Maybe maybe he thought, uh, you know, he shouldn't do it. And so he stopped. He then put the three back in the car and took them back down to downtown Adrian and dropped them off. What? Yeah. I, I wasn't ready for that. Right. Me neither. So something happened. He decided, you know what? I'm not going to do this. Let me drop you back off. Jesus. And so he, so ultimately he was found. He was arrested and he was convicted of assault, receiving 10 years in prison for that. Okay. Not very smart. Like he shouldn't, he should have known that dropping these kids off, he's going to get caught. Well, not like the kids are going to be like, whoa, let's just forget that happened. Right. Yeah. So during his prison sentence around 1986, he is said to have paid an inmate to murder Daniel Staggs, another inmate. Wait, say that again? So during his prison sentence yeah. around 1986, uh-huh. he paid another inmate. Okay. Anthony paid an inmate to uh-huh. kill another inmate called Daniel Staggs. Okay. <laughs> so he kills an inmate. Shit. Oh, so the guy did do it. Okay. Yep. That Daniel Staggs dies. Wow. And the person who murdered him was never found. Wow. They just know yeah. that what's his face paid them? Paid somebody, but they don't know who? Yep. Yeah. Oh, shit. In 1993, Anthony was released from prison. In December 1994, he was again arrested. A fucking course, this dude's a psychopath. Right. This time for two counts of first-degree criminal sexual conduct. And he was sentenced at this point 
life in prison plus 15 years because he was an habitual offender. So he got an additional 15 years for being a habitual offender. Jesus, good. Thank God. Dang. So around 2010, additional witnesses came forth in the death of Yolanda and Teresa's murder. And then, you know, we had advancements in technology at this point. So, so they found that, hey, this Anthony Walker did this. He, he murdered them and then and essentially murdered the child from setting the house on fire. Yeah. So Anthony admitted to killing Yolanda and Teresa, okay. but denied setting the house fire. Do you want to know why they sometimes because, do this? Because you don't want to be a baby killer. Yes, you do not want to go to jail and be a kid killer, a, a little baby killer, you know, a child killer, because they will come stomping for your ass, literally. Right. Yeah. So he was convicted and sentenced to three more life in prison sentences for that. <sighs> Anthony's, so the guy's in prison and Anthony's lawyer, I read a few things in the M Live and the Blade and there was a thing on the Daily Telegraph saying that Anthony's lawyer was said to believe his client was more prolific than Ted Bundy. That Anthony possibly killed more than 30 people. What? A handful before he was even would be considered an adult. And his killings were possibly across state lines. Oh, my fucker. No way. And then I'm thinking to myself, you make this statement. Well, how do you know? Right. And isn't there, you know, like, can, can a, an attorney say that? Okay, well, sometimes they might say that they've seen, um, okay, they think that he was a, um, did more because they can see matching, like, MOs or whatever sometimes, but they don't have any evidence to directly link him. That's why sometimes they say, oh, we think he um, did yeah. more crimes. But why would it be his attorney? That I don't fucking understand. That is, like, if your attorney hates you, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I right. don't know. Like, your attorney hates you so much that he actually said these things. Yeah. He just wanted to be an attorney that had, you know, a more prolific client than the Ted Bunny attorney. I don't know. I just, I thought it was really weird. Oh, you think he was trying to do it for uh, some uh, cred, like street cred or whatever? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but that's a good yeah, point. I don't good think point. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a case that we've talked about where that, the murderer's attorney is sitting there going, yeah, he has more. Probably more. He has more. <laughs> lots more. 30 plus more. And a lot of those were before he was an adult. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Maybe he's confessed to his lawyer and they just can't. Statue limitations or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or the lawyer just wants attention. Like, look at me, everybody. Right. All right. I'm going to tell you about sol solved cold cases. Okay. Uh, two of them. One is recent, actually. So, people.com. Freep.com, which is actually the Detroit Free Press, DetroitNews.com, The Rival, WXYZ.com, MLive.com, which I love MLive, and FoxNews.com. Are you ready? I'm ready. So this is about Egypt Covington. In June 22nd, 2017, Egypt Covington, because there's been a recent thing that happened. So I was like, it's back in the news. 
she had attended a yoga class and she was uh, afterwards she spent time to chat with another student that was her friend she's 27 years old in 2017 she lives in Van, she lived in Van Buren township Egypt worked as a beer distributor and she would sing as a, as a, her side job and her skills were as a singer were well known in the local musician scene in Ann Arbor which is um, where she worked the day after her yoga class Egypt's boyfriend Curtis Meadows tried to call her repeatedly and when she didn't answer he let himself into her home on Hall Road and Curtis found her in the living room deceased around 7:30 p.m. Egypt had been murdered with a single gunshot to the head behind her ear her attacker had tied her hands up with a strand of her own Christmas lights and Egypt's family had struggled with the slow speed in which they felt the Van Buren Township detectives were working and Van Buren police had mentioned that Egypt's ex-boyfriend was a sub suspect but that was years ago and there hadn't been any arrests, right? So Egypt's parents had created a Facebook group to help keep her case going. Mm -hmm. Her family also hired private investigators to try to uncover more information. And alongside Michigan Crime Stoppers, Egypt's family helped to bolster the $25,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of her murderer. So in 2019, Egypt's family had lobbied for the Michigan State Police to take the case over. They believed that when Egypt's body had been found, there was a strand of hair caught in her hand and they didn't think that the police had processed the scene properly and that they probably overlooked that hair as evidence. And they asked for the attorney general's office to set up to step in and investigate Egypt's murder. So in early 2020, the state police did accept Egypt's case as their own. Thursday, November 5th, 2020. Three years after Egypt's murder, Michigan State Police made an arrest and an announcement. They did not arrest Egypt's boyfriend, a person that her family did everything but slander. I mean, her family, when the police said, oh, we think it's her ex, her family basically made the ex look like he did it. And when they arrested somebody, it was not that man. Wow. Can you, can you imagine just someone who keeps, <laughs> keeps saying that you're a murderer and you're like, I didn't do it. And in the end, you really didn't do it. Right. So one man from Toledo, Ohio was arrested for the murder and the police are currently looking into a second person, Timothy Eugene Moore had several counts leveled against him in uh, regarding Egypt's murder. Other than the first degree premeditated murder, he has four counts of felony firearm, one felony murder case, and a first degree home invasion. Timothy is currently 34 years old, and he is being hosted at the Wayne County Jail. Five days later, November 10th, 2020, Michigan State Police announced that they actually had released the second person connected to the murder pending further investigation. So I'm assuming they don't have enough evidence on the second person from the beginning, or maybe they'd like struck a deal to get Timothy, you know, information on Timothy from the beginning. Police did not believe that Egypt's murder was a random act, but they just never revealed why. And that might be one of the things that they're holding back to catch somebody. Mm -hmm. Ann Arbor Brewing Company created a beer to honor her called a girl named Egypt. And a portion of the sales is donated to a foundation that's created in her name. And Egypt's foundation supports charities that work with animal welfare, music scholarships, and victims of domestic abuse. abuse. And her murder case is ongoing. It's just finally after three years, somebody is brought in. And we so, don't know why, how he's connected to her. No, they don't say. And because and, and this just happened in November, right? Mm -hmm. And five days after they bring two people in, one person's like, oh. So I'm not sure what's up with that either. We'll have to follow that. 
Yes, definitely. The second one is Mary Ampelow. Now, in 1968, there were riots in Pittsburgh after the murder of leader Martin Luther King Jr. in Memphis, Tennessee. Leonard R. Moses, who was 15 at the time, and four friends threw Molotov cocktails into a home in 1968 during the Pittsburgh riots. Inside the home was Mary Amplo. She was a 72-year-old woman. Mary suffered third-degree burns over 55% of her body. And later that year, she died of pneumonia in the hospital. And the pathologist testified that Mary um, contracted pneumonia while she was in the hospital recuperating from her burns. So Leonard and his cohorts were charged with murder. And at age 17, Leonard was sent to prison for the rest of his life. So two years later, when he's 17, he's sent to prison forever. During the Pittsburgh riots, 36 people had been injured. There were 505 fires set, and about 100 businesses were vandalized or looted. However, Mary was the only person whose death was attributed to the riots. And all that, nobody else died. There was a couple wounded people, but that's it. For crimes other than murder, there were about 1,000 people arrested in three days during the riots. Wow. Yeah. June 1st, 1971, Leonard was allowed to leave the prison system to attend his grandmother's funeral. He managed to get away from his guards, and he left and was on, has been on the run ever since. A federal warrant was issued for his arrest for the crime of unlawful flight to avoid confinement. So that's what you get for running. The FBI had tried to bring public interest to the case of Mary Amplo in 2016. So they began interviewing family members and associates of Leonard again. And according to their estimates, they followed about 2,000 leads without finding Leonard. Leonard Hmm. Moses had changed his name to Paul Dickinson after he was able to escape the police custody. Since at least 1999, Paul, who was once Leonard, became a licensed pharmacist in Michigan. What? He kept that, yeah. He kept that position, the, the pharmacist position, until it was recently connected that Paul Dickinson was actually a criminal who had been on the run for 49 years. How did that happen? Let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Paul was captured on tape, and he was a pharmacist that was a traveling pharmacist. So, like, if you owned a pharmacy and you wanted to go on vacation, you have you would have this service that would come and provide a, a pharmacist while you're gone, right? Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like traveling nurses, but he's a traveling traveling pharmacist. One of the places that he worked at captured him on tape stealing about eighty hydrocodone pills, which are Vicodin. In December of 1929, because uh, <laughs> 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 we jumped into a time capsule and flew backwards. <laughs> so it was actually December 2019. The pharmacy caught the crime the following month, January 2020, right? So he, mm-hmm. he steals them in 2019. They do an inventory check. They're 80 pills short. They start checking the tapes. It's him. Paul claimed that he threw the, that he took them. He didn't mean to. He felt guilty, and he threw the pills out of his car window after he left work. But they still yeah, charged true. him. Yeah, not true. They still. <laughs> he was charged with embezzlement at a pharmacy at St. Clair Shores, where he had worked, right? So the company that Paul worked for, they decided to press criminal charges, formal criminal charges, in June. They decided in June that they're going to you know, criminally go after him. And in October, I'm like, why this took so long? I couldn't figure it out. 
October 28th, 2020, Paul voluntarily went to the police station to have his mugshot taken and his fingerprints placed on file. When the police station ran Paul's fingertips through the FBI database, they came up as a match to his prints from his 1968 arrest in Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. Yep. He was apprehended without incident in his home in Grand Blank, Michigan, a few months later. So even after that, they came and got him. So after almost 50 years of freedom, at age 68, Leonard slash Paul is back in jail to serve his time. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I found this like weirdish kind of like, I don't know, it stuck in my brain that Leonard slash Paul committed a crime, was sent to jail for life, served a few years in jail, was on the run for literally just under 50 years, and he still wasn't as old as his victim because he is currently 68 and Mary died at 72. Oh, wow. Isn't that kind of weird? Like yeah. he had all this shit jammed in there and he's still not as old as Mary. Right. I don't know. That was it. That's how. And I wondered why did he go to the police station to get fingerprinted? I thought maybe he assumed they lost his fingerprints back or, in the day. Yeah. Or they? how would they know? Yeah. Like, how would they put his fingerprints from Pittsburgh in 1968 with the 2020 guy in Michigan? Well, it's kind of like, you know, you. You got away with it this long. Now you're all cocky about it and shit. Might be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like you, they can't get me. They they haven't in all these years. Yeah, and now he's a 68-year-old. But one of those, like, hey, he's 68. Well, that's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? One of those, I'm ready to go to jail. It's fine. <laughs> right? <laughs> all right, Merry Christmas, Jen. Merry Christmas. Cool. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Contact us at Anchor or Michigan Other Mayhem at gmail.com or on Facebook to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Bye-bye now.